To you it's just a game, for me it's all I know I make them remember my name before I have to go Losing, I can't fathom, that's a champion's passion Confidence never lacking, drop the beat, let's attack them They be checking for the content, you tired of that nonsense No gimmicks, break limits, quality is I promise This is more than a show, this is a way of life Cause the game as it grows, takes us to higher heights Check the stats before you check me And don't tell me who the greatest if you don't know the history Robert Ramon and Carlos the new big three and if the pins ain't from them don't bring them to me because i go off like a rocket launcher man i just ain't the beat i'm a real monster i can hear the crowd chanting mvp that's my mantra here's a standing on for the opinionated bench warmers Welcome to the Opinionated Benchwarmers Podcast, episode 106. Your Opinionated Benchwarmers are back to give you the sports news that you love. Uh, we'll start off by saying we appreciate all the love and support we have been receiving on previous episodes this year. The numbers have been off the charts as we are tracking them. Make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast. Make sure that you are following us on our social media handles, O underscore Benchwarmers on Twitter and Instagram. And just make sure that you're locked in. Leave a review if you haven't done so. Share that link with a friend if you can. We're going to jump right into it. We have two huge stories. One started this afternoon as we record this, and one just dropped this evening. But we'll start off with the biggest. The GOAT has hung up the cleats. That's Tom Brady, one of the greatest athletes of all time. I'm talking about up there with Serena Williams, Michael Jordan, just Kobe Bryant, just one of the greatest to ever touch a football uh, seven-time Super Bowl champion. Uh, he finished his career as the all-time leader in passing yards, as well as the all-time leader in passing touchdown. He's a five-time regular season NFL MVP. I'm sorry, uh, a, reg- a Super Bowl, five-time Super Bowl NFL MVP, and he's a three-time regular season NFL MVP, a well-decorated career for a legendary person. He'll go down in all the record books, and I think he'll go down as the GOAT. It'll be a while before anybody catches him with his accolades. Just how hard it is to just win one Super Bowl, and this guy has seven. Uh, Just an all-time great. uh, Spent a two-year stint with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. uh, As well, previous to that, spent 20 years, 20 seasons with the legendary uh, New England Patriots with Bill Belichick. But um, I'm, I'm going to save the rest. We, we said the accolades, but, I mean, if you guys could just get into what Tom has meant to the NFL and what he's meant to the sport and, and what he's meant to you. I mean, we, shoot, we, we're, we're young guys. We're, we're 30. Uh, so, I mean, he's played the majority of our football life and, you know, just the majority of our life and just the majority of us watching football. So I just kind of want to get you guys thoughts on what Tom Brady's career has meant to y'all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tweeted out myself and I was like, I can't even remember football without Tom Brady. You know, he's been playing that long. And, you know, as you guys, if you've been following us and listening to us, you know, I'm a Rams fan and he's personally took seven of those championships, two of those, you know, came against the Rams and beating them somehow, some way to that was so sad. Yeah, yeah, two of those. So y'all you know, sad. Yeah, yeah. That okay. 
We got he it. gave him a loose lead. Now. <laughs> yeah, we got, it. <laughs> we got it. So he, he he's uh he's uh did did that to us, and you know we could we could be sitting on three championships instead. We still sitting on one like the Saints. You know it's just crazy. So hopefully. You know, who knows? Super Bowl. <laughs> we might get two before the Saints. Anyway, moving on, moving on, bro. No, but Tom Brady, bro, just amazing, bro. Like, to stay that good that long, 44 years old, I, I really just didn't see the day where this guy was hanging up if he's still doing it at such a high level, even this year. Like, you still feel like he can play another three or four years, but he's retiring for the right reason. He retired for the right reasons, you know, for family. He said his wife hates to see him get hit, you know, and he mentioned even himself on his own podcast saying that, um, you know, he, um, you know, you just never know how life goes. You know, you always think you're going to be here forever, but you just never know. And he mentioned the great late, great Kobe Bryant, you know, I'm sure he probably hadn't thought he was going to be here, you know, longer than what he is. And, you know, he's going to take this time off. He's going to spend his time with his family. So I respect it. You know, he did everything he needed to do. He, you know, I saw somebody tweet out, man. I sure hope Tom Brady make it into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> you know, it's like, what? And they were joking. Get out of here. <laughs> they were joking, Get obviously. <laughs> they were joking. You know, first ballot easily, you know, the greatest to ever do it. So I'm just, I'm just, I, it was kind of sad. It kind of hit me all at once. It was like, dang, you know, going against this guy, not wanting to see this guy in the Super Bowl and, you know, rooting against this guy so long. Like, you know, it's the competitiveness in me wanted to still see him compete. And, you know, it's nothing like beating Tom Brady, you know, and going against Tom Brady. So I'll leave it at that. Yeah, no, definitely. You know, obviously, as y'all both have mentioned, you know, seeing the GOAT, being able to watch the duration of his career. But the thing I think about with Tom Brady and think about the story of his career is that we've been used for so many years for him being the standard and for him being, you know, the one that you looked at as the favorite. But really, his story started as the underdog, essentially. I mean, you look at a guy who was the 199th pick. This wasn't a number one overall pick that everybody just put this success on him from day one. You know, he came in as a backup, you know, got his opportunity when Drew Bledsoe went down, came in and really never looked back. So when you look at it, you know, it wasn't the guy that, that you saw that, you know, just dominated at Michigan and was a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback at Michigan and everybody knew that this was going to come. Nobody expected this. Nobody expected that we would see Tom Brady win seven Super Bowls, that he would be the GOAT, that he would be the standard. But his work ethic, his will to win, his desire in and out, you know, he has that Mamba mentality, just like you alluded to it, Los, with how he shouted out Kobe, like he has that Mamba mentality and that's what made him so great. And he had nothing else to prove at this point. We know he's the GOAT. He has all the different records that you mentioned earlier, Rob. There's nothing else left for him to prove. He can ride off into the sunset. So man, hats off to him. You know, we had many years where I didn't like Tom Brady. You know, a lot of years that my team, as far as the Indianapolis Colts, went head up with him, you know, kind of came up on the short end of the stick a couple of times with that uh, big time robbery. But, you know, so y'all was saying like Los friends. Hey, chill out with that. You got the best of all that sound like. <laughs> right. Everybody on the pod can say that. Everybody listening to the pod. We all got a Tom Brady story right now. We all hey, got a Tom Brady story. I, I mean, I think one of the remarkable things uh, games that he had, I think back to that Atlanta game, they're down 28 to three in the first half. And everybody's seen the meme. Everybody's seen the picture with his head down. 
and he looked like he going in super Saiyan mode. And of course, we know the story. They came back to win. I thought James White should have got MVP that specific Super Bowl, but they gave it to Tom Brady. That's fine. But I think that's one of the more legendary moments. I think that everybody has a legendary moment of when they knew that, you know, Tom Brady was just special and he, you know, his leadership and intangibles are, you know, off the charts and, and just how guys really love to play for him. And they, you know, they they run through a wall for him. And that's something that I think that a lot of people when they watch sports take for granted, man. There's only so many leaders in this world. And I think leadership is one of the top things. Like I remember the, even the clip that, that Tom Brady said on, I think that was that Peyton Manning show, the Peyton Manning show on ESPN Plus, I guess, uh, where he uh, interviewed Tom. He's like, man, forget that. Like, like you mentioned, Ramon, like I wasn't a top pick. I wasn't highly recruited coming out of college, but it doesn't matter. It's where you finish. And I think when it's all said and done, uh, we we went through the accolades. We went through what he's meant to the NFL, and, and it's un, unspeakable. If you don't, if you can't buy into Tom Brady, then I don't know what you can do. I mean, I think, like you said, we all have rooted against him at some point in our career just for competitive reasons. But at the end of the day, as a sports fan and as a lover of football and as a lover of, of sports in general, and you look at his accolades and now that he's done, it's time to salute that man. No matter what team you root for, no matter who you who's your favorite player, it's time to really just sit back and look at his career and just be like, okay, this guy did it like nobody else. This guy fought against the odds to make it to where he's at right now. And I think that it's nothing that – we should do but praise this man and what he's done in his career he deserves it all first ballot hall of famer no doubt without a without a doubt um i thought that aj brown it was interesting that he said that he don't think tom is done i mean i don't think i, I mean tom i think like like carlos said i think tom had at least about three more years in the tank but i mean of course situations of why he retired you know you know, we don't, we wouldn't know that, but I, I could see I could see Tom coming back. But you know, for now, I think that the man we we gotta salute what he's done. And I mean, I think you know that's all pretty much I have to say about it, really. Same here, man. I think it's covered well, and I think that he just really does need to call it quits. Like, don't come back, Tom. Like, call it quits. Stay where you at. <laughs> he he, Michael Jordan, man. He might come back like 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 Michael Jordan right. came back with the Wizards. The Wizards version. <laughs> <laughs> yeah man so hey salute to tom nothing but respect if you know the game and you you've seen the game you know how great he was we're not about to get into debates with guys like a couple podcasts ago where i said that he said how is he to go man this dude is the goat it's no question about it um i mean salute to a legendary career tom and i hope that i'm looking forward to seeing the next uh step in your career uh, whatever it may be. So here at OB, we salute Tom Brady, TV 12, walk off into the sunset. And to all of the Tampa Bay fans, as a Saints fan, I'm happy that y'all are in disarray as a franchise right now. <laughs> so if y'all want to, let's go through what I said my favorite moment in Tom Brady's career. What would be y'all's favorite? What's the long-lasting Tom Brady memory that you have the one that made him stood that made him stand out to you as the goat. Um, wow. I mean, he has so many moments, so many different things, and so many winning drives. It's just hard to pick one. But I'll just go with. I mean, even though they didn't finish the season, 
Um, I, I would go with a, a, a season for him. I was just like that that 16 and 0 season when they broke records that season as far as touchdowns, single touchdowns in a, a year, him and Randy Moss going crazy together. I just think about that time. It was unfortunate. Obviously, they lost to the Giants in the Super Bowl that year. They couldn't finish perfect, you know, and uh, save the Miami Dolphins with the only team that finished the year perfect. But, you know, it's just I would talk about that year and just how they were unstoppable, like literally unstoppable. They were the team to fear. Every team they went up against, they put up points. Randy Moss, you know, was doing that. His Randy Moss thing, Moss and Cats right and left, and Tom Brady's deep ball was working, you know, and – Pause, but you know everything was just good. Everything was good. <laughs> right. I guess on that note, I'll go ahead and chime in and take over. Uh, for me, it, it's really tough because you know I, I'm not gonna sit back and act like I I sat in the seat of being a fan of Tom Brady throughout the course of his career. I got to keep it real for the listeners that I really rooted against Tom for most of his career. So um, with that being said, I, I guess a moment that's that still, you know, sticks out to me, you know, you covered the 28 to three, but even for me, a Super Bowl before that, uh, everybody really knows the Seattle game for the Marshawn Lynch, you know, not not running the ball at the one yard line. But a lot of people forget that even in that fourth quarter, the Patriots into that fourth quarter down, I think they were down double digits. Um, and I really, as I was watching the game, obviously rooting against the Patriots at that particular time, I was ready to profess that that game was over. You know, I wanted Seattle to win. But just as we know with Tom Brady, he's never out of a game. He's never over as long as he can step on that field. And he had one of his, you know, that was kind of the historic comeback at that moment. You know, he would top it off and, and come back with the Atlanta one and go one notch beyond that. But I think that that was another signature moment for me in that Super Bowl, him being down double digits, double figure against Seattle and then having that fourth quarter comeback um, in which has been a controversial game just because of kind of what happened right at the end of it. Yeah, that's that's pretty remarkable. And, and Ramon, it's crazy because you know how Facebook replay your statuses at the time. I actually had a status for that. And how sad uh, Coach um, dog it, Seattle's coach was. Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll. For, I, I, I said it. I was like, in the status, like, Marshawn Lynch was a huge part of why you became, you why you got to the Super Bowl. And you, you were sitting there at the two-yard line, and you didn't give this man a chance to win the game for you. I, I had that was my status, bro. Like literally, I read that status before, so it's ironic that you brought that up and how serious it was. But I mean, it. But hey, look, I mean, you can't, you know. Yeah, I mean, it, it's crazy. It really is ironic that you bring that up. Me and uh, my wife was actually talking about that um, two days ago. She was talking about that Super Bowl because I was actually on the field for that Super Bowl when that happened. You know, uh, I was actually working security and found my way to the field for that game when that play happened. I was telling her about it. I was like, yeah, one of Tom Brady championships, he wasn't even supposed to win. You know, that was easily supposed to be the Seahawks to win that game, you know, at being at the one yard line. She was like, oh, what Super Bowl was that? Well, I was like, that's when Russell Wilson, for whatever reason, when they wanted Russell Wilson to get all the fame, the glory, all that, they passed the ball at the one yard line 
And they end up picking it off, and obviously the Patriots end up winning that game. I was on the field for it. She's like, what? And I was like, yeah, that actually, the anniversary of that is seven years ago from today. And so, yeah, we saw the video, and I sent her the video of it. And so it's just crazy how that really could took one of his championships away right there, just a bad play call. Yeah, so I, I mean, uh, I think we can wrap that up. And I'll wrap this segment up just by saying, you know, the great Jay-Z, it reminds me of that. It's it, he says that it, it's I don't want to misquote this, but I think it was on. Uh, I mean, I might misquote this for my hip hop fans, but uh, I think it was on that song "So Appalled" that came out in 2010. That was on uh, Kanye's "Dark," uh, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy, great album, one of my favorite albums of all time. Definitely my favorite album by Kanye. But Jay's just rap. I think one of his lyrics said that is either you die a hero or you live long enough to become a villain. I feel like that is the epitome of Tom Brady's career. I feel like, like we mentioned, he was an underdog. He wasn't a top pick. He wasn't highly recruited. And everybody was rooting for him in the beginning of his career to take over for Drew Bledsoe when Drew Bledsoe got hurt. Unfortunately, got hurt and never got his spot back by Tom. And Tom went on to have a legendary career. But as Tom started having success and started, when the Marines started coming in, the Super Bowl MVPs started coming in, then people started rooting against him for the majority of his career. So I find that interesting, and it kind of just adds, like, that's that's a true line, man. It's either you die here or I live long enough to become a villain. Again, salute to Tom Brady. For all the Tom Brady fans, I personally know one. Shout out to him. Uh, I know that he's hurting right now. He has a, actually a throwback Michigan jersey from Tom Brady's time in Michigan. So he, he's really a hard-up, like, Tom Brady fan. But uh, – yeah, man, he wrapping it up. He hanging up the cleats. Uh, we'll see what, what's next for Tom Brady. Time well spent there. We have a, a lot to get to. As I alluded to, there were two big stories that dropped today. And the second one would be Brian Flores, who is suing the NFL. Uh, as you know, uh, Brian Flores, the former head coach of the Miami Dolphins, uh, was recently let go. And uh, we covered it on the podcast. We were surprised, like the rest of the sports and NFL community, that he was let go because he did a decent job with the Dolphins. He wasn't doing bad. He did as best as I think you could with what he had. Uh, so I don't find it surprising that now as a, a highly touted uh, head coach prospect, even my Saints are trying to get him. We met with him. It's reported that we met with him over the weekend in Alabama. Uh, for the head coaching position that we have open uh, with Sean Payton uh, uh, letting it go. Uh, but, but you know, this guy, you know, he's a guy that, that was, was, was has been interviewing uh, for the past month. Uh, and, you know, with the New York Giants, it's been reported that he actually suing the NFL, uh, the New York Giants, and uh, two other teams um, uh, just for discrimination in the hiring process. And one of those things that stood out to me was a text message that uh, Tom, Bill, Bill Belichick accidentally sent to Brian because Brian uh, Dable uh, is actually got hired by the Giants, you know, Brian and Brian. And Belichick texted Brian Flores thinking that he's texting Brian Dable, which means that Belichick is showing his age here. He shouldn't be sending out text messages at his age. He should pick up the phone and call them. Then he would have known that that wasn't Brian DeBall. But he sent some text messages to Brian Flores sent, congratulating him on getting the job. And Brian Flores had not yet to interview for the job. And as we know, 
uh, Brian DeBall actually got the job. So it just points to the fact, and it's 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 evidence that Brian DeBall was hired and was the man before they even find, uh, hired Brian Flores. And Brian Flores is suing them for discrimination against black coaches, hoping to set a trend, hoping to set the record sh- straight. It's no secret. We Again, this podcast is great. We've covered uh, the lack of diversity in offices, higher up offices. I mean, for crying out loud, I mean, the first black GM was just hired a week ago. So it, it just shows you the disparity there. Uh, so there's some credence to what, obviously there's some credence to what Brian Flores is, is looking for, but it's much respect there because we saw how the Kaepernick thing went when Kaepernick tried to stand up. Of course, he was blackballed. So Brian Flores right now, uh, he he's, he's of course, he was going to get another job, but I think that he has uh, maybe um, a long road to hold, for lack of better terms, in, in trying to, uh, stand up for lack of diversity NFL with head coaches and GMs. Uh, Brian Flores uh, is much respect to him. And uh, I'm looking forward to how this story plays out. This is a very new story. Uh, there are new developments, but uh, that's what we have as we're recording right now. Uh, I just want you guys thoughts on that. Um, it's not surprising that he's one of those guys that is standing up for diversity. And I mean, it, it, I just want to speak on just the, the hypocrisy. You know, you, you see in the in the end zone, uh, equality, it takes all of us printed in the end zone. But yet this is going on. It's still going on where uh, nobody's getting a fast shot. Uh, it's black coaches all around the league. Eric Bianami has been, you know, in line for a long time. He's done a good job with Patrick Mahomes, but yet still can't get a head coaching job. I mean, the hypocrisy of the NFL and this must change. I don't, I, I hope this is the beginning of change maybe. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one thing I like about our podcast and our platform is we, we, the listeners, the people, they can expect us to be real, to be honest and to bring that realness to, to them, you know, and one thing about the NFL right now, they haven't been real. They haven't been honest with their process. You know, they created this Rooney rule, which, allow which it, it, it where you can't hire a coach without hiring someone of uh color I would say that you know you can't hire you can you gotta at least interview I'm sorry not hire but you gotta at least interview somebody of color before making the decision and so that's pretty much what the Rooney rule is and so a lot of teams take advantage of that and they just cycle these coaches in just to check a box. And so that's what makes it disgusting. Yes, I know the rules put in place for to give everybody equal opportunity and give that. But these coaches and and GMs and owners, they're not really giving these 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 new coaches a, a real opportunity. In my opinion, they know who they want. They know who their guy is, and they're checking that box. And so that's the disappointing part of this. We're on this podcast, and I think we can all agree. We're not upset that Brian the Ball got the job with the Giants. We're upset that the decision was made before Brian Flores even had a chance to interview for the job. That's the part that's unfair. And, you know, to keep it real, it's not just the NFL that this is happening in. This is happening everywhere. This is happening across America, you know, where a lot of people aren't getting fair shots. It's the buddy system. It's all about who you know. It's not who the most educated always is about, you know, it's not always about the hardest worker. It's always about who we feel comfortable with, you know, and not, you know, and sometimes people of color, 
does not make those feel comfortable and we keeping it real. So, uh, you know, it's just, it's just disappointing. It, it's, we have a long way to go. And, you know, I know some people are saying, and, you know, I think partly this can fix the problem. I know some people are saying that we have to um, hire GMs and owners of color. So that way we can get coaches in of color. But in my opinion, it shouldn't take a person of color to hire somebody in color. You know, let's do the right thing. I mean, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, no, I agree with y'all. I agree with a lot of the sentiments and everything that y'all said so far. Um, and really looking at the NFL and we, we look at a league that is, if we just call it for what it is, predominantly black. We look at a league that is comprised of, you know, around 60 to 70 percent of black players. But then when we get into leadership and looking at the league, it doesn't represent that. We're not seeing that be fairly represented with guys to be in the head coaching ranks. As we currently record this podcast today. Among the NFL teams right now, there is one black head coach as we currently record today. That is something that is not acceptable. We only have Mike Tomlin right now, who is a head coach in the league. And it's something that we've seen over time where sometimes you're able to get him in. A guy like a Brian Flores is given an opportunity, but then his leash is much shorter than some of his counterparts. And so it's time for things to, you know, become more fair. It's time for that proper representation to be there. And I uh, applaud Brian Flores for saying that he's going to stand up, you know, for saying he's not going to sit on the sidelines. He's not going to be one that just continues to see this happen and continues to see himself get discriminated against and others. But he's going to stand up. You know, he wants to see true change happen. And until you have someone that's willing to step out, even while he's in the midst of interviews and all of that. Until you have someone that's willing to make things uncomfortable, you're not going to see the change happen. And so Brian Flores is at the point that he's going to make things uncomfortable in order to see that change happen. And so I say hats off to him. I want to see the change in the league and I want to see leadership represent what we see on a daily and weekend base and a weekly basis in the NFL. If these guys are good enough to the point to be able to, to get that point. As players, we know that a lot of them have the bright football minds to then go and coach the game. And that coaching doesn't have to just stop at that assistant coach level. We need to see them as head coaches. We need to see them as GMs and also on the ownership level. Yeah, definitely, man. I'm, I mean, Brian, Brian Flores, I didn't know much about him, but I definitely wanted him for the Saints if we weren't going to retain Dennis Allen. Um, I respect him for what he's doing because he's basically saying he's gonna he's willing to put his career on the line to pave the way for others. It's ridiculous. We're in 2022 when there's one African American coach in the NFL. Man, that's crazy to think about. But it just goes to show you that we have a long ways to go. Ramon, well, well spoken as well as Los. Uh, we're gonna move on. We're gonna continue to cover this story as new developments come about but of, of course this is a developing story so as even you hear this recording please don't hold us to it it may be more development as this episode releases so we just want to keep that in mind and we'll if any developments come about we'll cover that on the next episode uh we'll move forward uh we had a, a very crazy weekend of uh divisional i mean i'm sorry conference championship football um probably 
two of two two great games, man. I was thoroughly entertained by both of those. Um, we'll we'll just do a quick recap before we get into our predictions and outlooks of our uh, Super Bowl predictions. As I know, Los is itching to get to because his team made it to the next stage to the final game. But uh, I just want the initial thoughts, man. We we let off with the uh, Cincinnati Bengals as well as um, facing the the Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes against Joe Burrow, man. I thought that, I mean, you saw my score prediction. I thought that the Chiefs would pull it off, and they didn't, uh, as we saw. Uh, But it was a a very entertaining game. I mean, initially, it felt like the Cincinnati Bengals was going to lose that game. Uh, But Joe Burrow, we know that he has intangibles off the charts. He had them at LSU. Uh, Of course, I'm going to shamelessly plug LSU every time I can because um, we uh, we all went to LSU. Uh, but I mean, he he really showed out uh, uh, after being down. Uh, was it was it twenty? Was he down twenty one to ten? What, what was he 21 down? Twenty one to three. Twenty one to three at halftime, and uh, he definitely uh, rallied them back. And uh, it was a, it was an exceptional game. He finished the game with two hundred fifty passing yards, two touchdowns, and one pick. Uh, and he had five rushes, which was very important for twenty five yards. That. Uh, sustained some drops, but hey, hey man, it, it was a good game. Uh, what you guys thought? Just give me a recap, man. What you guys thought? Yeah, I mean, I just say, first of all, that game was pretty, it was amazing. Night and day difference with the Chiefs, uh, in the first half and the second half. So I know that was adjustments on the Bengals part. So hats off to the Bengals and how they frustrated Patrick Mahomes. But I'll just, I want to just speak to overall on the playoff and the product that they put out this year. The playoffs were amazing in the NFL this year. Besides their hiring process and everything they got going on with that, the product they put out with the playoffs this year, gaming, I think I could only think of really two blowout games where it really wasn't close. That was the Bucks against the Eagles and the Rams against um, the Cardinals, and both was round one. You know, So besides that, all the games really came down to the end, and they were all nail-biters, could have went either way. Uh, a coin toss could have decided a lot of these games, you know, and I know we they're going to talk about the coin toss and should both teams get the ball, you know, in the offseason this year. But just what a product put out there this year. And, you know, I, I just had some to the Bengals. You know, I know their eyes were like something crazy, like 100 and something to one eyes to make it to the Super Bowl this year. So, you know, they really was not looked up as favorite. And that's just hats out to the leader that Joe Burrow is and what he's done to this team. And, you know, the swag they play with, the confidence, you know, even in the press conference. I know we talked about this last week, just how he just say, hey, this is expected. This is what we're supposed to do. Get used to this. Get comfortable. This is where I'm going to take this team. And so and I think everybody believe that, you know, and as you can see, they're there in the Super Bowl. You know, and who see who knows where they're how they're gonna finish. Let's hope they lose, but you know that's neither here nor there. See how you slid that in right there. Always gonna become a Ram segment out of nowhere. <laughs> Always a Ram. Always, segment. man. <laughs> nah, but like you said, man, how y'all y'all kind of pretty much covered it. But it it was definitely um, an excellent game. It was one of those things that you know. First, I want to start off giving hats off to the defense in the second half of the game. The defense for the Cincinnati Bengals because. In the first half, they could not stop them at all. You know, basically, Kansas City was getting every and anything that they wanted, except for that last little drive that ended up being very significant that they stopped them. That goal line stopped right before half, and it was pretty much lights off and lights out in the second half uh, for that defense. So hats off to them and the way that they adjusted. 
um, throughout the course of the game. But as y'all already mentioned, Joe Burrow, he's just a leader. He's just a winner, man. You know, he has his intangibles are off the charts. I'm not trying to crown him and say that he's, you know, on the road to be the gold or anything. But what I will say, we talked about that guy, Tom Brady, earlier in the podcast. And to me, if there's any player from a winning intangible standpoint that reminds me of Tom, it is Joe Burrow. And so I think that that guy, you can never count him out. He always has a chance in any and every game that he's in. And his just mentality, it, it just breathes on the rest of the team. That's why some of the guys, even in the offseason, wanted to come to Cincinnati because they already believed in that guy. And so um, it's just amazing to see him, amazing to see what Jamar Chase has done in his rookie year, how that has even opened that offense to even a greater level. And so um, it was just a heck of a game, you know, a game that also to me, was a little surprising to see Patrick Mahomes struggle so much in that second half. That probably was maybe the, the worst showing that we've seen from him uh, in a playoff game or particularly in a, in a half of a playoff game. And so I think that that really stuck out. Uh, but overall, just a great game. Uh, definitely hats off to the Bengals for getting it done. All right. So we must discuss the second game, the nightcap, the Rams, Losis Rams against the uh, – San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers. <laughs> yeah. They're forgettable. <laughs> Kyle Shanahan really had, up until this point, really had, uh, dang, I don't even remember y'all coach name. Sean McVay. He's really had Sean McVay's number. You know, uh, up until this point, uh, Sean McVay was 0-6 against Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers. But they finally got the job done. They act like they kind of wanted to lose this game as well with – with a, a, a drop, a clear drop interception that could have probably ended the game. Uh, but we're not going to talk about that. Los, we're going to let you get start off the banter with your Rams advancing to the Super Bowl, man. How you felt about this game? I have a lot to get into, by the way. So we're going to let you have your spill, and then I'm going to get to the topics of this game. Woo! What a game, man. What a game, man. You talking about just a level of emotions from the aspect of you know, getting down, going up 7-0, thinking, okay, cool, we're in a good place, then just falling to, what was it, 17-7, to down 10 points, and it's just like, what is going on? You know, here we go again, right? You know, the Rams, as you mentioned, Rob, lost to the 49ers the last six games, you know? If you realize, if you, you played your division twice, so that's the what, last three seasons you haven't beat this team, and so you rolling into this game, you can't write the story any better. You can't write it any better. You let this team in the uh, the NFL playoffs. You let them in the playoffs. If you would have beat them week 18, they wouldn't have been in the playoffs. This wouldn't have been a situation. But you look at it. It's always – it just falls into line, right? Everything falls into line. The 49ers got into the playoffs. They knocked off some of the toughest, toughest opponents in the Cowboys, who was a team that was playing well. They knocked off, obviously, the Packers in Lambeau. They had the perfect team to do that. They took took care of all these tough teams just to come and play us, just for us to say, hey, you know what? We let y'all in. We showed y'all the door. Now let me show you the way out of the door. You know, we did just that. We sent them home. They're already talking about moving on from their quarterback and trading him. That news came out today. Today is Tuesday. Tuesday, February 1st, they're talking about trading him. And so they're already talking about making moves because they know they don't have enough to compete long-term. And Jimmy G obviously isn't the answer. 
isn't the answer. Um, and he obviously turned the ball at the end, turned the ball over at the end to seal the Rams victory. I'm just excited, man. I'm excited because, you know, you look at a guy like Matthew Stafford, right? We talk about Matt. Matthew Stafford, a guy that is lost for a long time in Detroit, who Detroit is a, t- a team right now that's rebuilding and feel like they've been rebuilding for the last 10 years, you know? And so you you kind of be happy for a guy like that to finally get an opportunity, finally get a coach, finally get a team around him, finally get some running backs, you know? You, you know, I, I have respect for the guys he's played with, you know, the Megatrons, the Kenny Galladay's, the Golden Tates, all those guys, right? I have respect for those guys, but a full team, a defense that supports him, a running game that supports him, you know, and they're just putting all the pieces together right now. And you get Von Miller on that team, another guy that's been to the Super Bowl, who's been a Super Bowl MVP. You get Odell Beckham, who comes from his situation where he was obviously wasn't getting the ball, who, you know, again, my votes, my votes for GM of the year goes to his dad, Odell Beckham Sr., he definitely, he definitely pulled some GM moves with getting him out of <laughs> Cleveland because good riddance, you know, <laughs> he is not the answer. So, again, I love my team. I love the Rams, you know, and I can't even lie to you guys. We When we picked that ball off, I was overcoming emotion because, again, I've been with the team and you guys know that. I'm not no bandwagon fan. I've been with the years that we sucked, the Jeff Fisher years. <laughs> you know, I've been with us when we was in St. Louis. Nobody wasn't showing up to the games. I've been with this team. And so to see him go to the Super Bowl and know that it's far in between and it's hard to get here, I was overcome with emotions when the game was over and we knew that we was going to the bowl. I'm going to pull a chuck just to add credence to what Lowe said just now. He is a Rams fan because I remember us sitting back in LSU in our business class and you so excited when reports came out that y'all was drafting Sam Bradford. So I can vouch for my dog. He really is a diehard Rams fan. He ain't no bandwagoner. Uh, he's been a Rams fan. Whatever. I had to vouch. Go ahead, Ramon. Yeah. No, that segment just got really emotional. Just not like I feel like we should have added a little music to the background right there. As he went <laughs> I'll to see the- if I can edit in some violins. <laughs> that, that whole little soliloquy, <laughs> right? Some trumpets in there. <laughs> <laughs> like I just envisioned that moment in his house, just seeing the, the look on his face, like a tear rolling down his cheek or something. Like <laughs> Ramon, we should have. I should have let you go before him because I didn't expect him to go that long. <laughs> hey, 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 my team going to the Super Bowl. Give me, give me my time. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. He didn't pretty much leave anything left uh, on the table for us, but I'm gonna I'm gonna do what I can with it. But uh, like you mentioned, man, it was just one of the uh, another great game throughout the course of these playoffs. I mean, you see a team that entered the fourth quarter being down double digits, you know, double figures, uh, just even similar to the AFC game where you saw two teams basically come back uh, from double digit deficits and come and get it done. Uh, one thing that I will say about the Rams that, you know, it stuck out to me all year. I couldn't, you know, go past this segment without shouting out Cooper Cup, man. Cooper Cup has to be acknowledged for what he has done throughout the course of this season. Um, I have to acknowledge the guy to me. This is just me personally. But to me, he's been the MVP of the Rams this season. That's just my personal feelings and what he's done throughout the course of the playoffs. Whenever they've needed a play, whenever they've needed somebody to get open, whenever they needed a drive to be sustained, Cooper Cup has been that guy year uh, year in and year out, game in and game out. So I have to say hats off to Cooper Cup for what he's done. Uh, but ultimately, you know, it was a great matchup. 
I feel that, you know, I felt going into the matchup that the Rams were the better team on paper. Uh, of course, we know this game isn't played on paper, but I felt that they were the better team on paper. It went back and forth, the real big-time defensive struggle. As you alluded to, Rob, you know, that dropped interception by Tart uh, definitely was a huge play and a huge turning point in the game. Uh, but I can't take away anything from the Rams um, in the effort that they displayed in the heart that they displayed. And so, you know, hats off to them. And I'm glad to see my LSU guy uh, or LSU guys um, get a chance to, to go and get one. So hats off to them. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I'm, I'm not no fan of the Rams. I mean, fan, I'm not no fan of the Rams being a Saints fan. I mean, um, you know, first of all, they, they disallowed us to make the playoffs because they peddled around the 49s and now all of a sudden in the conference championship, they beat them. But we're not going to talk about that because it's not about my Saints. Uh, but, you know, like you said, Ramon, I, I am happy for Odell and and just the, the story within a story and just thinking about, you know, his career path and how he started off with the Giants and uh, just just with the with the with the Browns and it didn't work. He has more touchdowns this season. Uh, I'll say this. He has more touchdowns in this stint with the Rams in total than the two years he was with the Browns. Uh, so it just speaks a lot to him. He's had a long journey, and uh, it's just good to see him be able to play in the big game. We know that he's a superior talent in the league, one of the best that we've ever seen. Uh, he's had a battle with injuries, but you know, like like Lowe said, I mean, his push to the Rams was 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 uh was very timely, and uh, he's very deserving. Uh, just to see his post game with uh, I think it was Christina Pink, uh, just where he you know just was very emotional in the interview and said that. You know, it's been a long road and, you know, I'm happy for him. And uh, um, I, I don't want to, you know, I'll say this. I don't want to see the Rams win. Uh, but I will say this, that, you know, if they did, I, I can find some, uh, <laughs> some, some relief that Odell did get him one. Uh, we also know about Matthew Stafford and, and what he's meant in his career. And, and just to see him get one and, and Whitworth as a, uh, as a longtime uh, offensive lineman in the league, it'll be nice to see him get one. But you know, I'm I'm Joe Burrow, man. Uh, Joe Burrow, uh, I, I would love to see him get one in his second year after the gruesome knee injury last year. So uh, I'm sorry, man. I got to put on the Bengals jersey for more reasons than none. Uh, of course, Jamar Chase, uh, who 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 brought us a championship as well. So uh, LSU a championship in 2019 as well. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a good game. Um, but just to see the Bengals, just to speak on them and just, you know, how they were able to get to this point. I mean, nobody – if you were to tell me that the majority of the country would have predicted that the Cincinnati Bengals would be in the Super Bowl, they'd be lying. Yeah, absolutely. They're underdogs. I mean <laughs> – it came out of nowhere, you know, they, they really came out of nowhere as far as finishing the season strong and obviously knocking off the number one seed, Tennessee Titans, right? The Titans were supposed to run the table. They were the team. They had the good defense coming. They had Derrick Henry coming back. Nope. They held them down and got an interception at the end, kind of like they did the Chiefs here. You know, they knock off a, another team that was the AFC champions last year, you know. So, again, they really came out of nowhere. That really does speak to Joe Burrow and his coolness under pressure and making big plays when they need it and scrambling. I don't know how many times I was watching that game, man. He was wrapped up. And I'm like, 
two hands, like, oh, he sacked and he got out of it somehow and made a pass down the field. You know, it's just, again, speaks to his greatness, his leadership, his coolness, and just his fits to the game, man. Just look at how smooth that dude is just coming to the games. Like, next level, next level, you know, just like, how can you not follow this guy? How can you doubt this guy? Again, you know, I'm happy that he's there. Um, you know, if my team wasn't there, I'll be like you guys rooting for him, you know, for obvious reasons. But obviously my team is there and I want to see my team win. And uh, just a question for you, Rob, you know, and I know you again mentioned that you was a Saints fan and a Rams hater. You know, um, I would just say this. If it was the Chiefs, would you wow. still be rooting? <laughs> would you still be rooting for the Chiefs or the Rams if it was the Chiefs? I, I probably would stay uh, neutral there. I mean, I if it was the Rams and the Chiefs, I feel like it would be a good game. Um, That's a cop out. I think the the like the hater term. I mean, I get it. <laughs> I, I am a hater, but at the same time, like I don't feel like I feel like it's it's almost like this. It's like if you have horses in the race, right? Um, I feel like if you have horses in the race, it's, it's not being a hater. Like if you have, you know, like if like I, if, if my team was not directly connected to your team for like the past five years, for obviously obvious reasons, two years ago, a no call pass interference that this allowed us to get to the conference championship, we would have stumped the Eagles that year. Um, and then just, I, you know, connected to, this year where you guys all y'all had to do was just hold the lead y'all was destroying the 49s in the first half and y'all just oh conveniently give up the lead which just allows us to get into the playoffs of course i have a beef with y'all so i don't really think that i'm a, a hater of the rams because i think a hater just is a hater uh just wish for non-success for no reason i have at least two reasons minimum of why I don't wish for the success of that franchise. And just right <laughs> quick, man, I'm going to give you more of a reason. That game, that was the NFC Championship, Rob. It wasn't that y'all were going to have to face the Eagles. Like, that was to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah. That game was to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm tripping. I'm tripping. My timeline messed up. It's been so many heartbreaks in the playoffs with the Saints. I get them mixed up. So, excuse me. Excuse me for the listeners and you guys. Yes, it was very – it was a lot of heights to that none call – and excuse me for hoarding this disdain for the Rams franchise for this many years. I'm praying on it. Maybe it'll be gone by the next two, three years, but yeah. So who do you hate more, the Rams or the uh, Minnesota Vikings? I say the Rams because I accept the Minnesota Vikings. It was a poor play by Marcus Williams. He took a very a, a terrible <laughs> angle. Like, that's our fault. Like, I don't know. Kyle fault, Rudolph like, Huh? What about the Kyle Rudolph play, too? Oh, no, you're not going to compare that. We just got beat that year. Okay. I mean, I accept that, too. We just got beat. We got beat that year. Like, we didn't play well. I, I, I'm, a, You know me, Los. Like, we we all sharp sports, sports minds. Like, when my team didn't play well, unbiasedly, I would say it. But for the Rams, the non-call, and the Minnesota Miracle, like, I, I accept that. Like, Stephon Diggs just caught the ball. Like Marcus Williams took a poor angle. Like he was, I don't know why he was playing for keeps instead of just playing to contain in that in that moment. He had a a bonehead play. But in the history of Marcus Williams's career, I love him and I think that he's a talented safety in our in our league. But he's due for one of those types of plays once a game. 
I, I'm gonna just say this on this this segment that we've been rolling with. Y'all two probably got one of the the historic rivalries now, and Lowe's being a Rams fan and you being a Saints fan, and y'all going back and forth. I'm gonna put y'all up there with Lakers <laughs> and Celtics and Duke and North Carolina. <laughs> like if they, if even if, if the listeners even knew all the off ass stuff that that y'all go back and forth with these two teams, like it's bigger than than just the two teams. I think y'all just at this point just like going back and forth and having digs with each other. So the listeners just get a chance to 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 listen in from time to time and hear and see, you know, what I hear all the time. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, and I was telling Rob this. I was like, I can't be mad. Like we talked about Tom Brady, you can't be mad that he's out of. I can't be mad that Sean Payton's gone. I can't be mad that Drew Brees is not there anymore, and the team is in shambles and cap situation. I can't be mad, you know. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, on that note, we'll wrap up. Uh, I thought that we was gonna get into predictions in the Super Bowl or whatever we got going on, but guys, come on, man, we got another week to analyze this. So I think we will be doing our listeners a disservice to give our predictions because, you know, the research we put in to come up with these scores and predictions and outlooks. So how about we just devote, you know what, we're going to do the fans even better. We're going to devote a whole episode to dissecting this matchup between the Los Angeles Rams and the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, we're going to devote a whole episode to that pregame Super Bowl. So be on the lookout for that. Of course, you can find us as always. Just search Opinionated Benchwarmers on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, you will find us. Make sure that you subscribe. Leave a review if you haven't done so yet. And you can find us on our social media handles, Twitter and Instagram, O underscore Benchwarmers uh, there. And then you can follow us even on Facebook. Just search Opinionated Benchwarmers and you'll find us. And if you listen to the radio and you live in Baton Rouge in New Orleans, you're in luck. You'll find us every Thursday uh, from starting at 9 a.m. to noon. You'll find us on the radio on 99.1 FM in the New Orleans and Baton Rouge area as a part of the Simply Simone Show. Make sure that you check that show out. It'll get kicked off again uh, this week. But you can find us every Thursday, 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. on the radio. So make sure that you check us out if you're in Baton Rouge and New Orleans. We're going to go ahead and wrap up and get on out of here. We appreciate you for hanging around with us and discussing sports. And until next time, we're out of here. Later.